What is up, everybody? Welcome to 2017. This is Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, January 4th, 2017. You get you all right, guys? Did, did you make it? Mike, Mike, are you okay? Did you make it? Yeah, I, I'm fine. I made it. Okay. I'm, oh, thank good. God. Thank uh, God. I, <laughs> oh. I, you know, I'm, I'm, unlike a Mariah Carey, I didn't really have any sort of disastrous New Holy Year's Eve. shit. Did you, did you, you saw <laughs> yeah, that? I saw that footage. Oh yeah. my God. That was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't watch any of that stupid, uh, you know. No, I don't either, but I just saw the footage later and I was just like, yeah, that is really bad. Yeah, it became That's, viral. Um, everyone, I can see why. It's just one of the most awkward and strange musical performances I've seen since the Jessica Simpson, no, not the Jessica Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson thing on SNL. The, the thing about it is, is like, the, it kind of let people into the dirt, dark, dirty world of pop singers. Uh, they sing to tracks, people. They yep. they lip sync. A lot of them. I mean, that's like 90%. Now, usually what they'll do is they'll mix the, like, the house monitors with, like, the track. So you get, like, 50% of the vocalist and then 50% of the track. Uh, rappers in concert they'll just play their literally they'll just like play their record and they'll just rap over their record with background vocals intact uh and lead vocals so they don't even take anything out so you know everyone oh she's lip syncing yeah dumbass uh your favorite pop band they're lip syncing too so mariah carey's no different um you know she it was one of those things that happens to artists from time to time you you get um a, a technical failure uh your your in-ear monitors fail if you can't hear yourself i don't blame her on you know when i saw this video i was like man that was bad but really like when if what they are saying is true which i don't know why it wouldn't be she's been performing for over 20 years i don't know why she would have a reason to lie about yeah. poor performance um she didn't seem drunk or anything she seemed annoyed no. Um, you know, if you can't hear yourself as a pop star, you're not going to embarrass yourself and still try to sing the song if you literally cannot hear your voice in your yeah. head when you sing. Yeah, exactly. You're just going to so, you're just going to go quiet and be like, "I would rather not try to go plow through this performance uh -huh. and explain that there's a technical problem than embarrass myself and, you know, cuz if you just completely it's like being a deaf person and trying to like talk, like you don't know you, you're you're you don't know how it's it's gonna sound bad you know so i feel for it It sucks that it happened but uh hopefully the rest of our year won't go like this how was yeah, your exactly. new year's mike uh it was very uneventful it was just staying at home and just you know looking at stuff on the computer and just nothing really anything really eventful really to be honest um i did have my neighbors lighting off fireworks at nine o'clock in, in, in the evening I'm like it's not New Year's yet like at least wait till New Year's and then my stepdad was like what if they're from New York it's it's New Year's over in New York I'm like I don't care you're not in New York right now <laughs> you're on my time bitch <laughs> precisely um, but with Mariah Carey it's not as bad as we know she can sing so it's not like Millie Vanilli 
Right. Where that just completely just killed whatever career they had. Uh, and in an iconic and devastating way. But it's definitely iconic, though. You know, because it's all like, girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, yeah. you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it's true. Anybody who doesn't... <laughs> Anybody who doesn't know the history behind that, Millie Vanilli, this pop group in the 90s, they went out to go do a show one time in there. And I guess this was back it was on when, the MTV Music Awards or something. Like it was a big performance like that everybody saw, if I remember correctly. And it was like such old school backtracking like that they were using tape, I guess, and the tape yeah. jammed and it just kept looping. Girl, you know it's girl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously now in the digital age that just wouldn't happen. No, but that had to be the worst nightmare for these Millie Vanilli guys. They know oh yeah, that well they, it, it was. I mean, living that... on borrowed time, you know, because they're not really talented singers, and other people are doing the vocals, and they're just you know lip syncing and stuff. They were exposed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, my New Year's was uh, also indeed uneventful. I spent it, at, as I said I was going to on the previous podcast, on the back patio of an Applebee's playing music for literally one of the servers who was out there. Nice <laughs> nice girl, nice girl. She kept me company. and Just one person. Yeah, and she and she was pissed too because like she was ready to leave at like 9 o'clock and then I roll uh. up with my card of shit and she goes, oh no. You're not playing music tonight, are you? And I go, uh, hell yeah, I am. I'm getting paid, you know. Like I, I, I'm scheduled to play. I'm not, you know. Hell yeah, I'm playing music tonight. And she goes, that means I have to stay. And after talking to her, I, I started feeling bad for her because she was under the understanding that she was going to get cut at nine because it was so dead. And yeah. their district manager had already like told our entertainment company that hey. They can't just send you guys home anymore like that. If 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 we say that you're going to show up and play music, then you show up and play music regardless of what they say. So because mm -hmm. I, I had already been up to that location twice before and they had sent me home because, oh, there's it's not very busy out tonight. And it's like, well, that's not my problem. And we are contracted to uh, play music out here. So I don't care if there's nobody out here. I, this is. This is what your district manager decided to do. So I wasted my gas driving up here. So I'm going to set up and play music, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, I and I packed up early and went to drive home. And I literally spent um, the moment that it turned midnight over in the Florida here, which is three hours ahead from you. I was literally backing out of an Applebee's parking lot um, playing uh, Insane Clown Posse in my car, um, listening to them. <laughs> I guess you're a fan of ICP. I am I am a closeted juggalo, yes. <laughs> I, I, I did not know that about yeah, you. Yeah, I haven't told many people, and now everyone's going to find <laughs> out, and our subscriber base is going to drop immensely, but I do enjoy me. I am down with the clown, as they say. Um, I'm not... No, a, I mean, I don't think anybody should... If that's the type of music you like, you know, that's the type of music you like, as long as, you know, I don't even view it as music. I view it as entertainment. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing as Weird Al, although I do. I do think Weird Al is a very talented Fucking musician. Magnets. How do those things work? Yeah, that 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 was their kind of big thing that became a meme. But I mean, that 
their ho- like horror rap, you know, it's oh, okay. it's it's entertainment. It's you know, it's 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 tongue in cheek. You know, Not they're the wearing one where they they come out and say, you know, we're Christian. Sorry, you know, we fooled you. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, that divided the fan base. Oh really? I, yeah, I didn't even hear about that. I yeah, just I just got into them recently. Actually, I bought like three of their albums and I I've really enjoyed them. Actually, it's some weird way it's helped me through my breakup because uh, like just the I don't know the hey, com- whatever whatever helps I mean I'm not, I'm not judging yeah you know. yeah so that's how I spent my New Year's definitely not as eventful as last New Year's where my at the time girlfriend showed up and gave me a kiss right on New Year's right when it turned 12 <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and I was at a yacht club so it's like uh, uh, when Harry met Sally okay yeah and I am definitely Woody Allen so with my <laughs> anxiety and everything um oh, that's, a, that's a different oh that's that's salad. annie hall yeah. that's what i'm thinking yeah. of isn't it yeah there yeah. hey i bungled a movie reference what is, is that a surprise to anybody listening to this right now i don't think it is um but no this new year's is gonna be good my new health insurance already kicked in i'm gonna go be see, i'm gonna go start seeing a therapist which is something i've been wanting to do for a while now because i got a bunch of trust uh, me you know i have I have a lot of experience, you know, with kind of, you know, going in to therapy and, and uh, going to a psychologist and it does help a lot. Yeah, I, I honestly think I would not be where I am today without my uh, child psychologist, Dr. Conant Norville, who, you know, really helped me a lot in a lot of ways when I was growing up. And even, you know, later, you know, when if I had some sort of thing that I was doing with like before I went to college, you know, it's like, oh man, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not getting any jobs. This isn't working out. And, you know, I was getting all distressed and, you know, depressed and stuff. And he just knows how to communicate with me. He knows how, okay, he, I, I'm going, going to talk about these particular topics and these subjects, and I'm going to put a new spin on them, and I'm going to talk about them in a way, in a different way that you understand and that's really what he does that's how he gets me Hmm. like he knows how i think and he knows how to you know have a conversation with me and if there's you know other people might be talking to me and saying things say might they might be saying a similar thing that he's going to say to me but they don't say it in the same way and when he says it in a certain way it just clicks and you know i think a lot of people could benefit from that yeah but the thing is you have to want right to get some you know therapy or you have to want to get like that extra boost or that extra help i think a lot of people demonize psychology and psychologists um you know think oh well you only go to that type of thing if you have serious issues or or you're crazy or whatever and that's really not necessarily the case I think that, uh, you know, it's like even if you can make it without a psychologist or a counselor or whatever, and a lot of people probably can, I think that you just will have an easier time in life if you do kind of rely on like a professional from time to time. If you feel like, you know, a lot of people uh, out there listening have mental health problems and, you know, let this be the year that you you know, take some me time and, and invest that time in yourself and go and, and look into it at least, you know, it's, it's takes a lot of bravery to, 
even, um, mm-hmm. you know, make that appointment and look into how do I even sign up? You know, all that takes a yeah. lot of courage. And but I mean, I, I, I think it's definitely and sometimes, worth it. you know, you might the first uh, psychologist you have, you might not have a connection yet. And that's under that's fine. I mean, Do- Dr. Conant Norville wasn't even the first child psychologist my mom, you know, got from me. I had like a couple other ones before him, but they never really clicked until mom, you know, came across Dr. Norville. And, uh, you know, he did such a great job with me and he's realized, you know, he's seen firsthand all of the progress that I've made, you know, that he does use me as re- as represent, you know, as like a reference, you know, for other people who come into his office nowadays, you know, other kids and other parents who, you know, might be dealing with kids who have Asperger's or autism and, and they're, they're worried or they're thinking that oh there there's not how is it how are, we, how are things going to get better i just don't see that happening and you know i'm really humbled to be honest that's really humbling for me yeah that's great so uh on a lighter note uh well not kind of it kind of is on a lighter note uh i was on ebay and i was just browsing i go on ebay and i look at unsolved mystery stuff because I'm trying to see, oh, maybe there's an elusive official Unsolved Mysteries hat on there, or maybe there's some other merchandise, or maybe there's a deal on one of the out-of-print out of DVD sets, which, speaking of that, I have to give a shout-out to Laura Grillo, or I don't know if I said it, your last name correctly, it might be Grio, Grio uh, for uh, sending me the Psychic set, so thank you. Yeah, that's really awesome of her. That. Yeah, Mike, uh, you better be lucky that I already have the psychics, or else it would have been a, a battle royale as to uh, who got that fight to the death. Yeah, it would have been um, it would have been a shared custody thing. Like you get it for two weeks, and then I get it for two. <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah, but on on the same topic, eBay it, it's crazy. Some of the prices for some of these sets. I did try to bid on ghosts. I tried to get ghosts, but I got sniped. And then it was like over the amount of money that I wanted to pay. It was just slightly over. It's that kind of thing. It's like, ah, no, whatever. You can have it for that much money. I'm tight right now. I, I don't really want to pay that much for that. I really don't. But I do want to get the set. But You know what the bot? They have like fucking bots on eBay now that automatically will snipe it the what last. What was annoying was I, I was able to track who was bidding and stuff. And this this same guy, he canceled his bid that went over mine. So he gave me this false sense of I might win it. And then at the last minute, he puts on the same damn bid that he did earlier. Sounds like a bot. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks because, you know, back in the day, back in the good old days when I would actually uh, fuck with the auctions, because the auctions used to be a good way to get a deal, um... Now it's 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 nearly impossible to jump in there at the last minute. I used to be pretty good at sniping. Yeah, people are all like, you know, hey, you got to move with the times. You got to, you know, use the bots and stuff. And it's like, I don't really want to do that. No, I if, I, if I have to use a bot, I'm just going to do buy it now. And that's all I do now on eBay. If I if I see something I want, I do buy it now. I don't even yeah, fuck I, with the auctions. The time, I do it on buy it now as well. But there are rare occasions where I do like a bid and then... Like, miraculously, I'm like, I want it? Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just it sucks because like it's not fair, and that's the same thing. That's the same issue with the uh, those the Nintendo Classic Edition that was coming yeah. out on all these like stores, uh, websites. Anytime a NES Classic Edition would come up, a bot would automatically buy up all it, scalpers. They would scalp yep. it and they would hold it ransom, and that's exactly kind of what happened with what we're about to talk about. That Mike I'm sent me a link that, to. That's happening too with uh, Unsolved Mysteries DVDs and and uh, the box sets is because. I think there are people who just buy them and then resell them. And it's just frustrating because so, it's like, I don't, I'm not going to resell it. I want the actual copy. But it's hard to know who's actually reselling or not. Until, like, if you see one that's sold and then you see, like, the cover art had, like, the similar scuff on it or there's a similar sort of problem with it. And then you're like, that's the same thing that I, I lost out on. That's so frustrating. Yeah, so the ultimate collection that my ex-girlfriend bought me many, many, many moons ago for, I still don't know how much, I'm guessing it was, you know, 50 to to $100, um, that has shot up in value, that's no surprise to most of you who are listening to this, because I'm sure most of you have looked into getting the ultimate collection before, uh, so Mike sends me this link, an eBay link, to a sealed... Ultimate Collection from 2006, 25 disc set, $1,500. There's another one that's $1,419.99. Sealed? I think it might be, yeah, brand new. Now, my whole thing is, is like, okay, this came out in 2006 when they were still playing the originals on Lifetime. My whole thing is like, how did these people have the foresight back in 2006 to be like, I'm going to buy this sealed box set of this old show that at that point hadn't developed the fan community that it has now? How did they have the foresight to buy that and just let it sit on their shelf, this big ass box, sit on their shelf for like 10 years and now they're putting it up on eBay for auction for $1,500? Like, how it would, might not be one of those cases. It might be somebody bought out somebody's stock and the box set was part of it and then they knew how rare it was and then like inflated it some ridiculous length. Nobody's paying that much for it, period. It's no. not happening. Um, there's one that's like right, like brand new that you can get for $569.95 with free shipping. So, which is still just more yeah. than I would be willing to. Well, exactly. I know, but there's another one that has 23 hours left, and you can get it for 399.99. But it's a bid one. You got to bid on it. That would be like me. That that would be like me buying because they did this with like that show Friends. They released the ultimate like box set of like all the seasons of Friends or whatever. That would be me like buying that like whenever that was released, not opening it. And just hoping that it becomes rare, but it, you know, yeah. obviously that never, you know, that's, that's not, not rare. The only, only ridiculousness with these sets. I mean, it's even the separate ones, except for UFOs for some reason. Like that one, you can get for like cheap, like fourteen ninety nine. Maybe that one was bucks. the most abundant. Maybe, um, but ghosts, fifty nine ninety nine. Jeez. That's like the, I think, yeah, fifty ninety nine. Uh, somebody's selling like some three, uh, it's like a set with UFOs and these really weird, like, I don't know why they did this, like volumes, like it only has two discs. 
So you have Ghost Volume 1 and Bizarre Murders Volume 1. But it only has two discs. They actually sold those, where it was just two discs. Uh, they're going to have a rude awakening when uh, the original show comes to uh, Amazon Prime. They well, I don't know. Some of them still are going to be worth something because of the fact that, okay, you can watch it on Amazon Prime, but these are on DVD, and you can watch them anytime. You don't have to stream it. And Yeah, that's true. But I think, I think Unsolved Mysteries, though, will be a thing that will stay on Prime for a while, though. So I don't think this is going to be one of those instances like some other show – like friends or something it's only going to be on there for a limited amount of time and it's going to get taken off yeah that's that's one thing i forgot about all these streaming sites is they yeah, everything that's on there is temporary i mean even though stuff like well, not everything yeah not everything I family mean, guy's been on netflix things, there forever. are some things that are going to stay there and i think unsolved mysteries if it is you know enough people do watch it which i hope people do um and i don't see any reason why people wouldn't I think it could stay on there because it's not it's not like it's going to cost too much. And then I and I think it might stay on there, too, without a benefit that they are going to add updates to these cases. And so maybe just maybe people watching these cases again, maybe something might, you know, bubble to the surface about some really old cold case. The first segment that we're going to talk about here, it was a fan request, if I'm not mistaken, the Circleville. Uh, letters I don't, that one was i don't know if that one was or not interesting i, th- I feel like it was uh, i feel like it was i feel like that was i saw that somewhere i could be wrong i mean i i yeah i could i don't remember that being a fan request but it could be absolutely it's one that i just saw recently and i, I was really i thought it was pretty interesting i was like hmm like this is this is kind of creepy as well you know i thought it was a really creepy one I had this sort of like weird sort of thing going on, uh, you know, with the guy who was writing these letters. I mean, they showed the letters themselves, too, which I thought was a pretty creepy thing. Um, and uh, that's why I ultimately want to talk about it. It's a pretty long segment, though. Um, I don't think it's on the Bizarre Murders. It's, well, not. it's not really. I, w- I was kind of surprised that it wasn't. Maybe it's because it's not solved, so maybe they're like... But, I mean, it's like... It's Unsolved Mysteries. Like, dude, dude, there's so many... but there, Unsolved Mysteries, by and large, had more unsolved murders than any other segment that they did. So, I mean, to question... Oh, why wasn't this one on Unsolved Murders? I mean, you could go on for days with, with murder segments that will... Why wasn't this on there? Why wasn't that on there? Like, it, there's just so many ones that they could have done they could have done 12 discs of bizarre murders you know instead of just the four discs but you know but like the ufo ufo one for instance um the four disc set i feel like they got them all on there that needed to be on there like i feel like there's no other ufo one they could have added but as far as a murder one goes it same with strange legends too to a certain extent i really don't feel like i feel like they got all the prime strange legends um, except for uh, uh, La Chubacabras could have been on there. I think that would have been interesting, but it was a yeah. short one, so I guess I see why it wasn't on there. But um, yeah, this one, um, you know, this I like this one because it, it involved letters. It involved somebody, uh, you know, kind of being like stalkery out in the distance. Where is this guy and or girl, this unknown yeah, person? It was an unknown thing. Like who's writing these letters? And then there's this sort of like possible, you know, innocent 
person who's convicted of this crime. Yeah, an innocent man was sent a, to jail as far as I'm concerned. And then you have the whole uh, murder aspect to it, too. So go into the whole... Be. So in 1976, uh, actually before this, even, you know, before they even talk about the case, it was actually a really cool way to open the segment where uh, Robert Stack is talking to the audience and he's talking about the Circleville writer. And uh, he's talking about that the offices at Unsolved Mysteries actually got a letter from this Circleville writer. And how often does that ever happen when there's like a direct connection with the case, with the show? Like, you know, somebody who is, you know, the killer or whoever is actually sending evidence to the offices of the show. I so bet, I bet when he sent him that letter, I bet John and Terry sent him back a cease and desist. <laughs> it was a postcard, and after the the show was broadcast, um, so the letter that they got, the postcard that they got, it read in part, "Forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, you El sickos will pay." It's signed, the Circleville writer. So, in 1976, several Circleville, Ohio residents were receiving strange letters detailing personal information about their lives. Uh, bus driver Mary Galepsi was accused of a supposedly non-existent affair with the school official. The writer then turned violent and carried out the murder of Mary's husband, Ron Galepsi. They're, they're, that's their assumption. They're thinking the writer is the one that killed her husband. On August 19, 1977... Uh, although police claim that he died in an accident. It doesn't really seem like an accident. The evidence doesn't really support that. Um, and Mary was harassed along her bus route, and she later found a booby trap designed to kill her, which I thought was pretty crazy. Like That was the one, like, she goes in, stops, sees this booby trap that has, like, a letter, like, a message on it that, you know, says... This kind of thing, you know. It said, it said, um, it had said the name of her daughter. It said whatever her name was, Trisha or something. Trisha Gillespie sucks is what it yeah. said. It was like this cardboard. Um, it was kind of funny though, you know. Trisha sucks. Yeah, again <laughs> like, with their is, PG. Yeah, their PG this? insults. Uh -huh. Butthead wrote this uh, uh, warning or or this uh, message, <laughs> some shit. Trisha sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was like this cardboard kind of like sign and she went to remove the sign and when she did she saw that there was like a post behind the sign yeah. and there was like this little black box on the back of this post and she took the post inside of her bus which i wouldn't have done um and she opens the box up and she sees there's a pistol inside and she she then learns that it was a crude booby trap yeah. that was meant to it was meant to shoot her basically it was supposed to be like when she pulled the sign off or whatever it was going to pull the trigger of the gun it was going to shoot her uh, but it ended up yeah. not working and then uh earlier the letter that she received it said uh, i know where you live i've been observing your house and i know that you have children this is no joke please take it serious like the the guy who read the the letter in the segment it gave put chills down my spine yeah i liked the guy they had reading that the narrator it wasn't a it wasn't robert stack it was some other guy he was some he's had some deep baritone like voice and yeah it was it was it was good it's good stuff 
And then they showed the letter itself while he was reading it. And it's just the handwriting alone was pretty creepy to me, too. Like, it was really weird. It was, was it almost seems like a, it almost seems like a font on your computer that you could choose. A creepy, sicko letter writer font. (laughs) It wasn't like, it wasn't like a scribbled crazy, and it was like this very nice and neat, like italicized, but it was like handwritten. Yeah, all caps. So, you know, there was a lot of creepy stuff with that and the whole sort of thing where the the uh, bus driver lady, she she kept getting the letters, but she didn't say anything about it to her husband. And then her husband got one and he's like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's just this letter thing. I don't know what's going on with this. Um, yeah, that's and- another thing. Yeah, because so she, so the, the wife is getting these letters in the mail from this unknown guy saying, I know that you're having the, the this affair with the uh uh, school the principal of the school and you need to you need to cut it out and you know then finally her husband gets one of the letters and he confronts the wife about it and she's like yeah i know i've already gotten two of those she's like i wasn't going to tell you because they're not true okay first of all marriage 101 uh that shit uh that's not cool um no. that, that's sketchy no. that is not the best way to convey your innocence oh yeah i already got two of those and i didn't tell you about it because it wasn't true no it if if you are really that, and I have my own suspicions yeah, about that, this, that really made me like go, huh? Like if you really were innocent, like if I was in this situation, I would immediately be like, honey, what? I got this letter. Yeah, look at this. I, Check look at this. Yeah, like, yeah same here. Hell? Like I don't even know what this guy is talking about. Um, we need to go to the police. Yeah, like she didn't go to the police right away either. Apparently, it was just. Oh, some crazy guy sending me letters. I don't. I'd be fucking freaked out. I would be like, "All right, this is really freaky," and just talking about our kids. Like, we need to do something about this. Um, but then the husband got the letter, got a letter sent to him, and then he was like, "Okay, uh, he." But then they didn't. They they did. They then <laughs> they then did their own sort of investigation, and they kind of came on what they thought was their own uh, suspect. They, I think they do know who it is. Like, And uh, the husband then went to confront the guy and uh, he ended up dead. Yeah, because he was receiving mysterious phone calls and then he got a phone call one night and he it was from the guy who he suspected as the one who was writing the letters and he's like you know enough you know enough is enough and he gets in his truck in this mad rage and he follow and he goes out to confront this person who he i think even his wife was like no don't do that like you don't need to do this and he's like no enough is enough i you know, i'm gonna do this he, he uh he did not seem to be drunk he took his weapon and then he said goodbye to his children and he went out and then he ends up dead his yep. car, his truck is crashed into a tree, and a bullet has been spent from his firearm. That's pretty freaky. That's like, yeah. you confront this, okay, because, you know, usually you think about, like, you know, this some guy, some little nerd in his mom's basement's writing these letters just to, like, try to make himself, like, feel big and important. 
And, you yeah. know, so you think someone like this, if you can just wrap your hands around his scrawny little neck, you can just take care of him. But this guy goes out to pursue the letter writer and he ends up dead. So this letter writer is obviously not someone to be fucked around with. No, he's not a nerd. He's not afraid of killing somebody. Exactly. That is the opposite of most trolls. Most trolls are just trolls, and there's some little nerd with no life uh, on the other end of that computer or whatever it is, but this guy was much more malicious, and there was obviously some kind of agenda bringing up the whole affair thing. Exactly. So, uh, apparently, yeah, within a short distance of an, at an intersection that he knew very well, he lost control of his vehicle, he hit a tree, then he was killed. Somewhere in between leaving the house and hitting that tree, his gun had fired one shot, and there was never any explanation for when or how at whom that gun could have been fired. And then they did a test on his blood, and uh, they found out that Ron had 0.16% alcohol in his blood, which would, in Ohio, be one and a half times the legal limit. So, and most people I've talked to said that he was not a heavy drinker and were surprised by that kind of finding. Was that one of those things like they just added it after the fact? Like, can you do that? Can you, like, put alcohol in somebody's system after they're dead? Like, I, I don't know if you can even do that. No, no, no. The, the, the guy, because if you were dead, your body wouldn't metabolize the alcohol anyway because you'd be dead. It would, I mean, even if you did pour it down the dude's stomach, it would just remain in the stomach. It wouldn't do anything from there. Yeah. You'd have to be so alive. I, think, I don't, I don't, I don't buy. I think he was definitely drunk. Yeah, he so was he drinking. He seemed to be drunk. Well, you know, the journalist Martin Yant is saying that, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of people who are drunk that don't seem that they're drunk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are alcoholics that I know who drink from the minute that they get up till the time that they go to bed, and you never know they were drunk or drinking uh, unless you saw them with a beer in their hand. I mean, they even mask the... You know, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's BS, yeah. you know. that's. And then later, the, the affair was actually confirmed. That's where I come in with my my own theories and skepticisms, because... Okay, they say, oh, well, she didn't start having the affair until after the dude's death. Bull fucking shit. Bullshit, she didn't start having the affair until after the husband's death. You know, it's just, okay. If, if, the, if, if you're getting accused of having an affair in these letters, you've made your husband well aware of it. It's like, okay, this is so random, this is so sketchy. You get your husband to believe that it didn't happen. Okay, fine. And, and let's just say for shits and giggles that it didn't happen. Then he dies. And then you just randomly you happen to get with the very man that all this was about. The principal of the school. The very person who these letters were about. You just happen. Superintendent. There you go. You happen to get together with this guy. Uh, no. Sorry. No. Yeah, it's too... It's too... It's too convenient. That's yeah, it's way too convenient. They were they were doing they were doing shit beforehand, and someone knew about it. Maybe they should have looked into the superintendent's side, like his family, yeah. his friends, you know, or maybe maybe a a, a teacher that a jealous teacher. Maybe it could have been anybody on, on his side, yeah. but they didn't look into any of that, according to the. Segment. No, they didn't. Instead, they went and looked at Paul Freshour, who was uh, the brother-in-law, Mary's brother-in-law. 
and he actually had helped them investigate and try to find the suspect that they thought was the one that was writing the letters. And so, like, this case just gets juicier and juicier and more interesting, and there's always different twists and stuff in it. That, that, like, when I first saw this, I was just like, this is, like, really good, because it's not your typical sort of um, mystery case where, okay, you know, there's only one element to it there's multiple different elements there's the whole like i know where you live and i know you're having an affair and the letters were going to other people too it wasn't just to this to this uh woman apparently as well other people in the town had gotten these letters as well because he's trying to it seems like this guy is trying to destroy this woman's reputation so the guy who ends up becoming the scapegoat the brother-in-law so what I mean I'm guessing he's married to the he the what the 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 sister of the of Yeah, I think so maybe. Okay. So let's um, say he's married to um Mary is that So her what name? happened might be Mary Gillespie. Mary so uh when she looked closer Mary realized that it was uh, crude. I don't think she's married to Mary he's you know, Mary's the one that's getting these letters. Yeah, I'm saying Mary's uh, Mary's sister uh, is who he, yeah, he would be married to. Okay. So then you have, she finds the booby trap. She realizes that it was a gun. There was a gun in there. And then investigators discover that someone had tried to rub the serial number, number off the weapon. But when lab tests were able to read it accurately, the case took an incredible turn. The gun belonged to her brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. And he had just split up with his wife, Ron Golevsky's sister. Ron's sister. Okay. so it's Not a, Mary's sister. All right. Paul denied any involvement, though. He said, I admitted the gun was mine, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. I had no reason to check up on it or anything, and I don't know when it had come up as missing. I really don't know what happened to it, and I told them that, and that's the truth. And that's how it was. So then the police uh, sheriff, uh, Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe, he asked Paul to take a handwriting test, and Paul agreed. And here's where it got really weird, because they this is not a proper handwriting analysis. The sheriff pretty much told him to recreate as closely as he could the handwriting of the Circleville letter writer. That's not appropriate handwriting analysis. If you're trying to get the proper handwriting, you just have somebody just write the letter you or, don't you don't shove the letter in question in front of them and say hey emulate this you know as closely as you can because you no. know what they're going to try to do i mean even if it's subconscious they're going to look at the letter and they're they're going to try to emulate the the style of writing because that's what exactly. the police asked him to do and he thought he was just helping clear uh, a, a family member or something that's what he said he didn't actually yeah. think they were looking at him like thinking he was a suspect, which was kind of naive on his part, but yeah, you know, he. I guess he thought he I was. I don't blame him though. Yeah, I mean, he thought he was so like, innocent. How am I gonna get? How am I gonna get accused of this? Yeah, so he's like, okay, whatever you guys want me to do, but really, you know, he was. They were. They were. You know, using really were, crude. Um, they were collecting evidence against him. Yeah. The sheriff then searched Paul's garage. He turned all the evidence he gathered over to the courts. And then Paul was charged with attempted murder. Which shocked him. Very much. Well, yeah, rightfully so. He called in the prosecutor and he told the prosecutor that it was my writing on the booby trap. 
and then I was under arrest for attempted murder and placed on a $50,000 cash bond. So then on October 24th, 1983, Paul went on trial for the attempted murder of his sister-in-law, Mary. Uh, I don't think... And he wasn't charged with the writing with the threatening letters, but they were used as crucial evidence against them. So that's the thing. He was charged not for writing the letters for the murder of Ron, but he was charged for the attempted murder of his sister-in-law. And on the stand, a handwriting expert said that it was his opinion that the writing on the envelopes, documents, and postcards was made by the same person, Paul Freshour. Uh, Paul's boss testified that Paul hadn't gone to work the day the booby trap was found. Even though Paul had a solid alibi for almost the entire day, because he never took, but he never took the stand in his own defense, which he should have done, and it was the decision that he would come to regret because Paul was then found guilty of attempted murder. Paul was given the maximum sentence for attempted murder, seven to twenty-five years. Everyone in the town assumed that he had written the Circleville letters, and everyone figured that they would stop once Paul was in prison, but everyone was wrong. Because then the letters started up again. And they were now being received all over a large area of central Ohio. And so a lot of people couldn't understand how Paul, who was, everyone thought was the letter writer, could be mailing all these letters from prison. And following repeated complaints from the sheriff, the warden had Paul placed in solitary confinement. But the letters continued. And all of them were postmarked Columbus, even though Paul was imprisoned across the state in Lima. So, like, you would think, like, after all this is happening, this guy would get immediately released after this. But no. He was still in prison for seven years. And he was a model prisoner. And when he came eligible, when he became eligible for parole, the board ended up rejecting his request for parole based on the volume of letters still being sent, which is just bullshit. It's ridiculous. I mean, talk about a guy who, like, and in the interview, this guy could not have come off as more calm, cool, and collected on the Unsolved Mysteries interview. I mean, he was so understanding and calm and how he was talking about the whole situation. About 10 years of his life was wasted in jail for a crime that, in my opinion, he did not commit. How how do you stay composed in jail every day, knowing that you didn't do it, knowing that there's these letters being sent all, like, still. Then they put you in solitary confinement and the letters still are being sent out and they're still keeping you in jail. And then the guy even writes the uh, a letter to, a letter to Paul. Yeah, he, yeah. He write the Circleville letter writer writes a letter to Paul when he's in jail to and taunts him. He says, "Now, now, when are you going to believe that you aren't going to get out of there? I told you two years ago. When we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all?" And yeah, you know, from the description of everything, this is a big setup and a cover up. What it sounds like to me, and this is obviously a small town, it sounds like another case of good old boy, the good old boy network. Sounds like some in you know, and it's it's all behind sex. It's all based around sex. Somebody was screwing somebody else and someone didn't like it, so somebody got knocked off, and then someone else was the scapegoat, while the real perpetrator, who may or may not have been some higher-up official or who may have hired somebody to rub him off. Or might just be somebody that's really uh, well-regarded in the community. Yeah. They get to 
escape scot-free while someone else has to rot in jail for a crime they didn't commit. Never move to a small town, folks. That is my advice. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Or if and you then when Yeah, and, and even the journalist himself, Martin Yant, he reviewed the sheriff's investigative file and he recovered and he uncovered evidence that had never been mentioned at the trial. Uh, Mary told the sheriff that one of the other bus drivers told her that she had been driving that same road uh, about 20 minutes before Mary had found the booby trap at exactly that same site. And when she went by that very same intersection, there was a yellow El Camino parked there. There was a large man with sandy hair that was standing there. And when he saw her come, he turned around and acted like he was going to the bathroom or something. But seemed also to be avoiding any kind of ID, uh, identification. The, the description of the individual does not fit Paul Freshour at all, and Paul had a very solid alibi at the time. There was no attempt at all to follow up on that lead. And if they had, as I say, they would have found another possible suspect in the case who had a brother who had a yellow El Camino. Yeah, so, I so, mean... The- so, yeah, Josh, I think you you nailed it there. Good old boy network. I mean, because seriously, I mean, if they really wanted the truthfully find exactly who did this then they would not have tried to do to set up paul they would have looked into these other leads it's like but the cases did of- eventually get granted parole after serving 10 years though 10 fucking years of your life gone and 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 he got parole meaning hey we still think you did wrong but we're letting you out it's not like he got a pardon yeah. in some kind of financial restitution you know, exactly. it's like, no, no, we're, we're letting you out because you served your time for a crime you definitely committed. We're not changing our minds on any of that. It's just, oh, my but God. That doesn't make any sense from a logical standpoint. He was in solitary confinement and the letters still kept coming in. He was he was sent a letter by the Circleville writer. How can he be the Circleville writer if somebody sent him? A well, that wasn't that wasn't the issue, right? The issue was the attempted murder. The attempted murder. Because still, people probably do think he was the Circleville writer, and the attempted murder was then tied in with the letters that he recreated because they're like, okay, you're still the guy who did it, and it's all because it was his gun. Yeah, that was the that was the whole that was that was his nail in the coffin was the fact that it it was his gun that was found and. He, he had no explanation as to how it got there. But, I mean... And he also didn't come to his own defense in the trial. So that's another thing as well. Yeah, and for a small-town jury, that probably that probably makes a big difference, you know. And sadly, though, Paul actually passed away in 2012, uh, never knowing the, the true identity of the Circleville writer. Oh, jeez. So, yeah... I feel worse. For, I feel worse for Ron, the guy who actually yeah. died at the hand of this the guy. The letters also finally stopped, but then uh, people still don't know who wrote the letters. Was Ron Gillespie's death an accident, or was he murdered? And who made the booby trap found by Mary Gillespie? I don't think Paul made that booby trap. It's Gillespie, not Gillespie. Oh, Gillespie. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of bothering me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, it's just like uh, it was just like the one we covered uh, a few weeks ago about the uh, the 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 woman who was murdered and the, her husband yeah. was blamed. And um, 
and and they were saying and he he was saying that he thought it was somebody in the police department or somebody covering up i mean these things happen in these small towns like i said it's it's a good old boy network you know i mean it's it's it, you become i think they knew it was a small town it was a small enough town that i think paul and uh mary and ron i think they knew who the writer was well yeah yeah they yeah much like um uh, Elliot Ness with um, the the uh, the what was his, the what was the killer the killer of Kingsbury Run or whatever yeah it was kind of like one of those torso slayer yeah there you go it's like one of those things to where it was like Elliot Ness was pretty sure he knew who the killer was but it was it, it, the killer was part of this like prominent family and he knew if he went out and accused this guy without solid solid ass evidence it would be slander and it, and they'd probably make a big stink of it it's kind of the same thing here you know it's like somebody important got pissed off and wanted to knock this guy out you know just takes take this person out and then blame it on somebody else. I don't know. It, 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 it all stinks. It stinks, Mike. It stinks, I tell you. I don't think they wanted to take Paul out. I just think they just wanted to pin the blame on him. Well, that's what they I mean. They, to, they took I out, mean, they took out Mary, the husband. I think there was somebody who wanted to slander Mary. Somebody knew Mary and wanted to slander her because he saw firsthand what was going on in the school with the superintendent. So that really does make me think that I, I, I agree with you. I think they should have looked into the school because I do think that they're, I, it's more than likely to me that it was somebody who was working at the school who saw this going on is the one that wrote the letters and it's probably the one that killed Ron. That reminds me of getting some weird MySpace message back in the day, back when I still had MySpace. It was this guy. Yeah. And he, he only went by the name Jigsaw, you know. Like, oh, yeah, like from the movie saw I, mean, I don't even know if it was a guy or not but they he sent not only me but my friend uh my other friend who was also named josh um these really weird messages all through high school saying like oh i saw you today and uh you know i forgot what kind of weird shit this person said but to this day like we don't know who it was but they said some really weird stuff and like oh i was so close to you today you could have reached out and grabbed me by the neck and you didn't even know it was me yeah it was was real creepy shit kind of reminded me of that back then i got all these weird messages on because i'm back in the my you know myspace days you could just name your you could just choose whatever you want for a screen name you didn't have to use your real name like you do on facebook i mean even on facebook people can still make fake accounts i don't know that kind of sounds like a troll though but, oh, know, probably, it, and nothing it, it ended up happening. Somebody, yeah, I mean, you know. But nothing ended up happening, so. Yeah. Thankfully. So, yeah, that was a great segment. Is there anything else on that one? No, I don't really have anything else to say. I just, I do not think Paul Freshour was the Circleville writer or uh, was the one that set up the booby trap. I think he was innocent. He served 10, 10 years in prison for no reason. And uh, whoever wrote the letters is still out there. And um, I feel for him, man. Poor bastard. Maybe may- the whoever wrote it might have died, but we don't know who wrote it. So may he rest in peace. You know, well, those, those, yeah. t- those 10 years that he was in jail, he could have been spent actually enjoying life, doing something, you know, whatever, like not not rotting in jail. But, you know, that's that's uh, what was that in Texas? Wasn't that a Texas town that that happened? Ohio. Ohio. Oh, yeah. The Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I am not on the ball today, guys. I'm, I'm, st- 
Mentally, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I got enough sleep. Something. I don't know. I'm blaming something on my uh, stupid brain. Mike, what you got going on over there? You got some candy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you little, you little fat boy over there eating during the podcast. Not even using your cough button. Well, we don't got a technical cough button, but I don't have a cough button. So there's a mute button on here. I don't know if it works or not. All right, so the next segment we're going to talk about is, well, actually, now that I think about it, Mike picked out all these segments this week, and I just agreed with all the ones that he picked. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I just, I was like, okay, I can go along with all those. So one he picked out was uh, literally one that I remember from my childhood that that probably fucked with me worse than a lot of these. And it's weird because this is not a scary, per se, it's more psychological, and that's what... It sticks with me, too. I picked this one because this would be very, very... Bad. <laughs> unsettling and hard to deal with if you were experiencing this. And this is something that, like, made me paranoid as a kid. Because, I mean, I already have OCD, so this is kind of something... So why don't I just get to what I'm talking about so I don't have to keep prefacing everything? So this segment's called Mystery Hum. Um, this was on, I believe this was on the, the Ghosts. Um, Which is b- weird. Believe it or not, yeah. This was on the Ghosts um, box There's set. There's nothing ghost-related about this. No, this should have been Like, on. at first, I would have been like, maybe UFOs? But Strange Legends, probably. Yeah. More. Definitely not a miracle. Um, <laughs> the opposite of a miracle. It's a nightmare. So this segment starts out with Robert Stack in a recording studio, and he's standing by a big-ass mixing console, and there's this low drone sound being played in the background as he's giving his, his monologue. He says, Imagine being plagued by an annoying hum that plagues you day and night. Well, he doesn't use the word plague twice, but apparently that's how I wrote it down in my notes. Thousands of people throughout the world have reported just such a phenomenon, and it's driving them to distraction. So then it starts interviewing various people who are kind of describing the, their particular humming sound that they're hearing in their head. And they all kind of describe it slightly different, but for the most part, it's the same. It basically... Like driving into distraction was a weird word, you know, weird uh, turn series of, phrase. of words to use. Because I'm like, well, it's, isn't it really distraction? Or is it... I was like, destruction? Or like, you know... It is it's pretty destructive for their lives because, you know, yeah, they could distract themselves from it, but it's always there. Well, distracting as in, like, kind of every moment of their life, they're not really able to focus. They're not really yeah. be in the okay. moment. They have to yeah. focus on this bullshit. It, well, they also can't distract themselves from whatever it is that they're hearing. So it's kind of a... Yeah, true. Yeah. Um. The main consensus of this hum is that it's like a diesel truck uh, idling in the distance is what it's said to most closely resemble by most of the people who are interviewed. Um, So, you know, you can imagine a low rumble. In fact, I might even do a little bit of production for this uh, podcast. I might even put an example of this sound in here as we're talking so you can get not copyrighted so no i'll make i'll make the sound i I can at least (laughs) do that it's 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 uh yeah so how then these names are so hard for me to write down whenever he's talking about them because i can never catch them it's how rulianon um moved from detroit to michigan's northern peninsula to escape the hustle and bustle of suburban living but instead of peace and tranquility he soon found himself tormented by the hum 
It started out as a minor annoyance when Hal was studying for an entrance exam. Quoting Hal now, he said, I noticed that a few times before I was studying, but thinking it was a motor and it wouldn't bother me that much. But then I noticed it affected how I could focus and concentrate, so I was able to ignore it for maybe the first month or two. But then when I got closer to the entrance exam, I noticed it was affecting how I took in information and how I was able to concentrate. It got to where I couldn't tolerate it anymore and I had to know what it was. When I first went out looking for it, I checked all the places you would expect to hear a hum. I checked the sewage pumping stations, the airport, the ventilation systems on top of Michigan Tech University, any place that would generate a sound. Finally, I found myself driving like a hundred miles a night in one direction just looking for this hum, the source of this hum. No matter where I went, the intensity was always the same. Now to me, if I was that guy and I started um, finding myself like doing doing that, like driving like a hundred miles, you know, to, to find like the source of this noise, I, I mean... Wouldn't you, like, pick up a friend or call a friend over and be like, hey, do you hear that hum? Yeah. Oh, you don't? Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah, just yeah. me then, obviously. Yeah, I mean, why, crazy. Like, yeah, why? Cool. Thank you. The first thing I do when I hear a weird noise is I ask if someone else hears it, you know? I mean, I think that's what most people do whenever they hear it. Well, like, I do that, too. I mean, like, I'm really, my ears are really sensitive. Uh, I have a musical ear, and even with other sounds and things like that, I can hear songs and, like, busy restaurants in the background and my parents are like well, i don't hear that what are you talking about you can hear that and i'm like yeah yeah I same here everyone always says that I, my family always accuses me of being deaf and i don't know why because i actually have a <laughs> really great sense of hearing that they don't i don't think they, they like, it gets so bad sometimes or if you know there's a sound that something is making in the back seat or in the back of the suv like i cannot stand it and like we were driving to my grandmother's for Thanksgiving and we brought like this roaster oven thing and it wasn't packed properly. So the metal sort of uh, grate thing was like jiggling around and clanging around in the back seat. It was going, you know, clanging, clanging, clanging metal, you know, metal on metal. It was just drive rattling around, driving me nuts. And so I'm, I'm, you know, talking to my parents. I'm like, D do you hear that? Like, that's like, how can you deal with that? And they're like, well, it's not very long. I'm mean, not driving for too long. I mean, just deal with it. And I'm like, you can't hear it as loud as, as I do. It's right behind my head. Yeah, it seems so like old. Looking at me like, oh well, come on, that's not that big of a deal. And then eventually, when we stopped at a drive-through, I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna figure it out myself and i'm just i buckled my seatbelt, went back there and took the dang thing out and set it on the side somewhere dude that reminds me and like this this is why this like segment always bothered me because it reminded me of a time when i worked in the orange park well like, no one knows what the orange park mall is except for people who live in jacksonville anyway i work, worked at the, the food court in the mall here in jacksonville and well technically orange park um which is different than jacksonville who cares it's a need detail um <laughs> I worked in the mall, and in the mall, they had these TV screens up, mounted on the ceiling in the food court. Now, they play, like, music videos and shit like that, but back when I worked there, almost 10 years ago at this point, 
all they did was run these like PowerPoint presentation style advertisements. That's all it was, was just oh. advertisements. Some of these advertisements would have a music component to it. And one of the ads had like this really generic 80s hair metal sounding where I was like, din, din, din. it had like this guitar solo. I was like, like at the very end of it. Yeah. But it was like this like like mind fuck because like working six and seven hours in the mall and these ads yeah and these ads were on like a 20 minute cycle so like i would hear that same little end riff because it was like high up on the guitar so like the notes penetrated through the 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 white noise of the mall that's bad so that's all i would hear every 20 minutes i would hear this and then it got to where like i got home that night and i was in the shower and I heard the last few notes of that guitar like it was clear as day while I was in the shower. Audio hallucinate. Yeah, audio auditory hallucination. Auditory hallucination. And it freaked, wow. it freaked me the fuck out because I was like, whoa. And I'm thinking that it was like because of the white noise of the shower, I think. Like yeah. it, it allowed my mind more room to play tricks on me. But then that it, that, that started affecting me like... I started hearing that shit whenever there'd be a lot of noise. I, I would, I would, my mind would like project that, that stupid, those, those few notes. I would start hearing that in, in like different situations. It was weird, dude. It was really totally weird. Totally bogus. Yeah. And so like, that's how, that's just, you know, one of the main reasons I need to see a therapist. But anyway, um, so this is why this, <laughs> no, mis- but I mean, really, I mean, that is, that is, your brain does play tricks on you like that if you hear something repeatedly over and over again. It's like if you played nothing but some Nintendo game that has the same music looped over and over and over again. If you play that long enough and that's all you play for like weeks on end and hours on end, that's going to get stuck in your head. Yeah. So that's why this segment... Um, you know, uh, this segment, and I, I had seen this segment before that personal like situation had yeah. even happened to me, but, um, I think this could be, this could affect anyone really. I think this is a pretty unsettling, uh, unnerving, uh, thing to happen to anyone because, well, then I started, I started like listening, like at night I started listening whenever I'd go to bed, I'd start trying to listen just more intently than what I normally would. I'd start trying to listen for any low rumbles or anything because yeah. I'm such a hypochondriac. I, I was like, well, this is going to happen to me now, obviously. Obviously, you know, if it happened to these guys, it's going to happen to me because that's you just how... watch documentaries about sleep paralysis then. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd probably think that could happen to me too. And I would like literally, I would start getting like, I, I, I would start like hearing these low rumbles and shit at night, like after watching this segment. And... You know, we have a train yard a few miles away from my house. Nine times out of ten, it's, yeah. a, it's a distant rumble of a train, or it's yeah. something. You know, I don't yeah. suffer from this. If I stand in a completely quiet room, I don't hear anything except for very slight tinnitus from all the years of loud music, but it's very mm-hmm. slight. I don't hear any fucking mis- you know, rumbles or anything, but I was such a paranoid little kid, you know, that I just, you know... So anyway, back to the story... Um, they eventually fly Hal into L.A. to visit Dr. Gene Flaum, a leading hearing specialist. 
Now, they did find out that Hal was suffering from uh, a slight hearing loss, but nothing specific to explain the bizarre hum. Flaum says, as a result of the test, they can't definitively say what is causing the hum, but they can say that perhaps his body is affected in some way to where he perceives sounds in the atmosphere different than most people. So they're basically saying that it's on you, buddy. It's it's in your own. It's 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 physio. It's like physiological, maybe psychological, even. And then they cut to Hal, who says, um, "I'm certain that I'm feeling something from an outside source." He goes, "I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a massage therapist." Therapist. Uh, sounds like he says a rolfer. I don't know. Uh, acupuncture. I don't even know what the hell that is. I don't either. <laughs> it sounds like that's what he says, though. He goes, I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher, massage therapist, a rolfer. I practice acupuncture. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of the sounds my body makes, and I'm certain my body isn't making this sound. So he's thinking it's an outside source. So then uh, it shows how... I mean, it could be a, a physiological thing. I mean, if... If it is a physiological thing, there's no way that you are going to be able to tell whether or not it's from an outside source or physiological. Because sometimes you think you know your body. As yeah, well you can't really make that as, call. You know, when when you're dealing with something that could be psychological, you can't make that call. Or even physiological, because your body, there are certain things about it that you know you might think you know, but you really don't. That's, so that's the mystery of the human body. So there's no reenactments in this in this no. segment, which is unique, um, pretty damn unique for unsolved mysteries. There's no reenactments, so all the people who are suffering from this, it's basically shots of them in their yeah. kind of environment, which is cool. It reminded me a lot of a segment on sightings because they they have some reenactments every now and then, but a lot of the time they, they you know they interview the person and you know they're in their environment and talking about what they saw and what they witnessed. Yeah, so so they show Hal driving in his car at this point, and um, he said, uh, many people have suggested that I'm picking up electric fields from the power grid, so what I'd like to do is go underground into, so he's going into this abandoned uh, copper mine, because uh, he, he wants to get below the power grid, so maybe he thinks that would, that would stop the, the hum. So they actually show a camera crew go down into this tunnel with him. And granted, this is not a reenactment. He's actually doing it. He's got a hard hat on and everything. That was really cool. Yeah. And so he gets to the, you know, pretty deep into the tunnel and they say, you know, so, so what do you hear? And he goes, it's still there. He goes, in fact, it's more intense. He says it's more penetrating down here than it is on the surface. Maybe it's something from the earth. Well, we'll get into what they think it is in a second. Then they cut to a woman, Sarah Allen, who's been hearing the hum for three years. She made a recording of what the hum sounds like. And maybe this would be a good part to insert the hum sound. Um, she goes, um, cause she, she turns it up really loud so you really get a good sense of what it sounds like. And then she turns it all the way down and then she slowly eases the volume up to where you can just hear it. And she goes, that's how it is all the time. Whenever it's quiet, I have to share my space with this. And it's not comfortable. Since it would be like having to hear my stupid heater every time it turns on. The the uh, it it's really loud, and and you might hear it. I, don't, I hope not. <laughs> but you know, it, it having to hear that all the time would be really irritating. Yeah. So since 1989, dozens of residents in Sarah's town have also claimed to have heard the hum. 
Mm. It was Sarah's knowledge of electronics that allowed her to recreate the noise so non-sufferers would know what it's like. Then her same tape was played for another sufferer, 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 Winona Wittitt, uh, Winona Wittitt of New Mexico. She claims that it's very close to what she hears. Um, and for Winona, five years of constant humming has completely disrupted her her life. Winona is on disability leave from her job at the National Park Service. Um, Winona takes comfort in the fact that she's not alone. Now, that was probably one of the bigger parts that disturbed me as a kid. I thought, holy crap, this chick is so tormented yeah. by the sound that it's she's... going to devastate your life. Yeah, that she's on, on, on disability. She can't even work, so what does she do? Just sit around all day and just just suffer, you know? Like, oh, man, I'm just like... Tragic. Dude. It is. Yeah, it's like... Tinnitus, what I was mentioned earlier, that's a ringing in your ears. That that's that's an actual thing that that does. Yeah. That's a you know medical thing. You can, if like you, listen to music with this hum and not hear the hum over. Or oh, I'm sure. Hear the hum yeah, I'm sure it would drown it out. Music. I'm sure. You, yeah, you you. That's probably what they'd have to do. They'd probably have to walk around all day with noise, you know, and and not you know being able to really have peace and quiet completely. Um, I'm sure it would have psychological effects on you over time. I'm sure you'd get to oh, the point absolutely. to where you're just like, shut it off! Um, yeah. <laughs> Drive you nuts. Um, in no fewer than ten countries and five different continents, people have been hearing a low-frequency hum sound, most often described as a truck laboring up a hill. These people belong to a network of people dedicated to finding the cause of the hum. They call themselves hearers. And then Hal, they show Hal again, and he's saying, we're not protesting anything. We don't have some agenda, but this noise is driving us nuts, and now we have the tools we need to exchange information. Whether the U.S. is involved militarily, um, or, or I should say whenever the U.S. is involved militarily somewhere, the noise tends to get worse. That's what they all kind of hmm. say. You know, they, they all kind of agree on that, these people who are experiencing this. The right, hearers... The conspiracy theory type thing... The military is experimenting on sound frequency waves and their effects on individuals, on human beings. No, no, it's 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 along the lines of um, these people think it has to do with the Navy, um, who developed what were known as ELF or extra low frequency waves. Yeah. Uh, when a submarine is underwater, it can't receive standard radio waves. However, low-frequency waves are able to p penetrate hundreds of feet of water. Coincidentally, ELF has been in use since the late 1980s, around the time when people started to begin to hear the hum. Mm. Sarah Allen claims to have her theories backed up by many high-level military personnel, people who have basically confirmed, yes, that that, that is, in fact, you know that that would be the case you know causing this noise or whatever she's even saying she's got sources that she can't name yada 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 who knows mm -hmm. recently a team of scientists was commissioned to find the source of the hum they traveled to taos taos or whatever i don't know why they went there uh they never mentioned well, they... i i've seen some actual uh episodes of other shows and i've read stuff about that place where that the hum is is heard oh really yeah. 
Oh, okay. So, th- well, thank you for elaborating on that because they sure as shit don't elaborate on that in the segment. I don't know why they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> I, they just they 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 just said scientists travel to Taos, to Taos or whatever, and they don't say why. And I was just like, okay, well, I think sightings had like the Taos mystery home or something of a segment, if I remember correctly. So I, okay. I I could be wrong, but I know that that name sounds familiar in relating in relation to hum. Mystery home sounds. So so they brought some of the most sophisticated sound and radiation sensing equipment available. In the end, the scientists were unable to find anything definitive to explain the hum. But they said in a statement, it is a bona fide scientific mystery that deserves more research. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts back to Hal, who says, and and this is actually a really uh, kind of a, and there's no music or anything, it just cuts back to Hal and he goes, I'm hearing the hum right now. We have days where it oscillates on different sides, and today it's oscillating on the right side of my body. I can't believe that you can't hear it. (laughs) And then it cuts to uh, Robert Stack, and he goes, What is the source of the mystery hum? Could it be ELF, or is it possible that more than a thousand people around the world are imagining the same thing? It is interesting to note that there is an ELF transmitting station 80 miles from Hal's house in Michigan. However, mm-hmm. there is not a known station within 1,500 miles of Taos. Yep. So it's kind of... So they so should have explained that with Taos because, you know, then it makes sense why they went in and went to Taos and brought the scientists and brought all the equipment. Because it's like... Otherwise, people are like, why are you going there? <laughs> yeah, they don't why explain any of place? that shit. No. Why, why did you go to the place where uh, Hal was hearing the sounds? Um, yeah, I think it's like an ELF thing, or it could be a natural sort of something that the Earth is creating that these people are, are attuned to. Um, or it could be, you know, these people are attuned to ELF frequencies. Like their body it can hear this stuff and can experience it, but not everyone else can. Well, my whole thing is like that's, if, a, that's a power that sucks. Oh, great! I got a superhuman ability to hear this annoying fucking sound all the time. Well, yeah, like Thank that's you. like there's like radio. <laughs> there's radio frequencies that surround us all all the time right now. I mean, yeah. all around us, there's radio frequencies yeah. going on that Imagine we can't pick having up. Having to hear your cell phone frequency and your internet frequency. Imagine hearing that all the time. Ugh. So that's one thing that people don't think about, like with super hearing, with like some of the superheroes. Um, that's why I like uh, some, I think it was like a Superman movie or something where they kind of showed what it was like to to be able to hear all everything everywhere. It was very it's very disorientating. It'd be extremely disorienting. My whole thing is is like the whole question of whether it's an outside source, like an outside noise, or in, like or in his head. I mean, yeah. couldn't you solve that pretty easily by like covering your ears or putting on earmuffs and being yeah. like, okay, I don't hear anything, and then taking the... <laughs> yeah, if it's in my head, then yeah, I'd hear it if I had... Yeah, you would think I mean, so. Because that's pretty definitive right there. I mean, you yeah. can, you, you know, Bose has some pretty high-end um, silence... Noise canceling. Yeah, ne- noise canceling earmuffs. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you could get your you could get your answer pretty... I mean, even if the, even if the, the hum deadened or lessened a bit when you put the headphones on mm-hmm. then it's pretty definitive at that point that oh this is an outside obviously an outside noise if you put the headphones on and the noise is the same yeah. exact volume still it's in yeah, my head it's in my head but then it still wouldn't you know even knowing okay i'm not crazy it's not in my head 
but I'm still hearing it, and I don't know exactly where it comes from, and I don't know how to stop it. Yeah, that would be awful. And it's a very distressing thing. I mean, and also you got to think about the physical and psychological effects of that type of thing. I mean, I've read things about certain types of frequencies at certain levels create certain emotions and and create certain sort of feelings with with human beings. Just certain sound frequencies. Makes so, sense. You know, they they like some can make you feel really like distressed and stressed out um i and speaking of sound frequencies and and i'll probably this is probably the last thing i'll talk about i was talking to a guy who was working in the military um when i was working at jc penny over in oklahoma city and he told me this story that i thought was really just crazy and he was talking about how the military was working on when he was there they were working on some experimental sound uh, wave sort of generator kind of weapon that used sound frequencies to disorientate the enemy and then, you know, all other kinds of stuff. So they'd use low and high frequency sound. And I think I read later, you know, after he told me that, like, there was like years or so, then there was like something that I remember reading about and like seeing footage of some similar sort of thing that actually riot police used to uh, disorientate and kind of uh, settle down some riots, you know, uh, that were going on. So I'm just like, this is this, you know, sound. You don't think about that kind of thing. You're just like, oh, it's sound is sound. You know, a sound comes through my headphones. You know, I listen to music. Sound, you know, when I watch a movie, we got sound and surround sound. But it, you don't really think about the negative or you know the the kind of scary side of sound yeah most people some... think of sound as this innocuous innocent kind of yeah but yeah no i mean it can definitely have some very you know psychologically adverse effects you know um it's 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 been used as a form of torture you know to uh root people out of you know, terrorists and all that other kind of well, stuff. Certain songs are really bad. You play that Star Trekking across the universe song on a loop. Oh God! <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's I'm torture. With that. It's like Star Trekking across the universe. Captain Kirk. It's just so fucking annoying. Holy shit! I want to go look that up now. We should post a link to that on the Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Torture people. Yeah. If you want to torture yourself, listen to that song, and good luck getting that out of your head after you listen to that. All right, so our last segment here is called The Wyrick House, although on the Ultimate Collection is called Gordy's Ghost. This was one I was very familiar with. Mike, actually, again, he chose all these, so he chose this one. And again, I was okay with it, because uh, this was one... I actually hadn't seen this one before I saw this segment, uh, so this one was new to me. Um, this one I chose because it's got a really unique balance when it comes to ghost stories so it kind of, it's similar in ways to ghost boy but it seems more legit it seems a lot more legit yeah it is um, it is kind of similar to ghost boy though you're right but it's yeah. not as extreme so that's what makes it a little bit more believable yeah the bed's not and, fucking lifting up and there's no uh, ghost car and, and there's no book, I don't think, that they wrote. I don't know of that. I, uh, You know, I haven't done any research on that, so. There is a movie. 
Yeah, but that probably isn't anything that they did. It was probably some kind of thing that they wanted some direct-to-video sequel to Ghost of Georgia or something. Uh, haunting in Connecticut. It's a haunting in Georgia. I think you're right uh, about that, actually. I think that is what it is. So, this is about the Weirich House. Uh, the location is in Ellerslie, Georgia. And uh, you, it starts out, you have Heidi Weirich, who is a gifted psychic with the ability to see and communicate with the spirits of the dead. Apparently, since she was eight years old, she has been able to see ghosts. It began in February 1989 after her parents, Andrew and Lisa Weirich, moved to Ellerslie when she started seeing the friendly elderly apparition of a man named Gordy, who played with her on the property. The way they did the reenactment, I know it's supposed to be, like, not scary, but it was scary to me. You know, it, it, you know, you got the weird sort of, you know, uh, blurry, kind of glowy uh, filter on it. And you got this old man who's pale looking and he's got like a bandage on his hand. Like he's missing a hand. Or You're just something. waiting for him to jump out at you and go, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I've seen so many horror films that this just, <laughs> it just, it just, I don't know, it just triggered those kind of uh, feelings and those kinds of memories. Um, but, you know, this nice old man playing with her. Uh, Lisa thought this figment was an invisible friend, but eventually Heidi encountered another spirit named Khan. Now, no relation to Ricardo Monteblon. Khan! Uh, who appeared at the front door in a t-shirt with blood all over it. And when she told her mother, she thought someone was trying to kidnap her. Understandably so. Yeah. Mom, there's this, this oh, man, he's at the door, he's got a t-shirt on, there's blood on it. Oh my god, close the door, <laughs> get out of here. Uh, Andrew then searched the entire neighborhood for someone who fit the description, but he came up empty-handed. Eventually, Lisa happened to mention Khan and Gordy to her sister, who had just bought the house next door. As it turned out, a man named James S. Gordy was its former owner. It had once belonged to Catherine Ledford's family, and Lisa got in touch with her. She verified that James died in 1974. James owned a real estate company in Columbus, and for many years he was a Sunday school superintendent at Ellison Methodist Church. Although she had no photographs of him, she corroborated Heidi's description of him having gray hair and wearing a suit, tie, and shiny black shoes. Heidi began looking for, through them, through these pictures, and miraculously, she picked out Catherine's Uncle Lon, Con Bachelor. He died in 1957 of cancer, but he had lost his hand in a cotton gin before he was 20 years old and in Ellerslie, just as she had seen him. I find that interesting that the older ghost has the same injury, like as if it had just happened. Yeah. Like it's all bandaged up, and I thought that was an interesting sort of thing. Uh, and for the next four years, she continued to encounter the benevolent spirits of James Gordy and Lon Bachelor, both of whom had long been dead. In 1993, Lisa became pregnant, and then things started to turn to the worse, to, uh, to the terrifying, because an evil spirit then came to visit. Lisa's quoted here, she says, Heidi had never been scared of anything. She had never been scared of Khan. She'd never been scared of Mr. Gordy. But when she saw the dark figure in her hallway, she was hysterical. And, yeah, a lot of these dark spirits tend to be, like, formless, just like a shadow man. It's a shadowy figure. 
and a lot of them I had I, I don't know what I saw but this is pretty creepy and I'm, I'm not gonna forget this because this is a very I this is when I was living in Oklahoma with my dad and my my dad's stepbrother was there and my dad's stepbrother Tony you know I think he's got a lot of mental issues I think he's bipolar there's some psychosis going on there he's a dangerous individual he was depressed there's a lot of negative energy a lot of negative energy in the house and I remember one night I was sleeping on the couch and I was just having a hard time sleeping and then I, I, I just tossing and turning and then I, I would look up you know I feel I just I just did not feel right and then like I felt like something was watching me and then I pop up out of bed and then I turn around and I could have sworn I saw some kind of shadowy thing and then like that just freaked me out and then like I don't even think I slept that night it was just like I'm gonna stay up and watch TV or something because <laughs> this is just really 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 freaky um and i wasn't the only one because my dad and my stepmom said they also saw you know stuff like that as well in the house so later we actually got a priest uh you know a pastor to come in and bless the house later really so, you actually yeah. you actually went through with that yeah oh wow that's good that's crazy i figured you would have yeah. told that story or you know at this point because that's pretty interesting surprised you saved well, I that think for so I mentioned, long i mentioned it i thought i mentioned it briefly when we talked about the first ghost case, the because part of me saying I talked about this before, but maybe I didn't. Because uh, I, 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 part of me saying I might have talked about it when we talked about the Tallman House, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Whenever you start talking, I put on headphones and start listening to music. So you may have said something about it. <laughs> you ass. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, it, it, this dark evil spirit thing. You know, I, maybe I could say I have experience with that. Um, they tend to latch on to negative energy, which makes sense. You know, uh, they, they always use claws too. Like that's that's a that's a theme that we can honestly say from doing like covering all these unsolved mystery segments. Claws are like a theme. They always claw you. It's always claw marks that are left. So, you know, demons have claws apparently, or whatever these yeah. entities are, they have claws. And uh, yeah, because I mean, literally, there's like four segments that come to mind right now where they are claw marks uh -huh. are left yeah and that's what happens it's pretty, here it's pretty consistent so uh this evil spirit uh was just so freaky and scary for everybody uh that even uh, linda and andrew discussed moving uh but the likelihood of heidi seeing spirits elsewhere came up because they thought about that like well if we move this thing will just follow her that's kind of a weird train of thought to automatically jump to for logical thinking adults. Well, if well, maybe, we move this they thing... Maybe saw Poltergeist uh, too many times. <laughs> they saw Poltergeist 2, where the other side, where it's like the beast kept following Carol Ann. It didn't matter where they moved, you know, where they went. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. Just like, to me, as like logical adults, you know, like, and, you know, of course, they're real Southern, and I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking them for that or anything, because I feel like I've giving Southerners a bad rep in this podcast, but <laughs> she's like, well, we thought if we moved, it would just follow us wherever we went. And I'm like, why? How is that like the first thing you think is going to happen? Like, well, we well, can't move because it's just going to follow us. Like, you know. Well, they would probably also still, they'd encounter other spirits. Like if she's psychic, maybe that's their, their thought process. 
our daughter is psychic. She has this connection with the spirit world. This connection is not limited to just good, nice spirits. So wherever we go, if there's some kind of evil spirit that's around in the vicinity, then she's going to be somewhat connected to it. She's going to, you know, see it and, and there's going to be a presence that she's going to feel. So, I mean, if you believe in the spirit world, you know, there's good and there's evil. And, you know, there's, there's not, there's probably an equal amount of both. They were just incredibly accepting of the fact that she saw these things, I guess. Because, you know, yeah. most parents are pretty skeptical for a good while. But they, they kind of seem like they kind of... Well, I mean, the way that she described was able to look at pictures she's never seen before of these old men that she's seeing. I mean, that would kind of make me be go like, wow, like. I don't yeah, know. and she's it's describing really these gifted. describing detail of these people that there's no way she could have known, you no. know, and she's searching through these photo albums and she's able to pick out these very particular, you know, old men and go, Oh, that's the guy I see, you know? And it's like, how do you explain that? You know, that's, 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 that is (laughs) freaky as hell. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. And the, the, the neighbor's like, Oh, that's my uncle who died in 1957 of cancer. And it's like, you know, geez. So then the baby sister Jordan was born on February 3rd, 1994. And then two weeks later, Lisa noticed deep gashes going down Heidi's face. Like, that, that is really scary. Andrew then just assumed she had inadvertently scratched herself during the night. I don't know about that. Well, that's what you would have to assume as a parent who doesn't yeah. want to assume that uh, a demon it's is like, clawing yeah. your face. <laughs> exactly. Well, don't worry, honey. That's just the, the demon. That's just he's, Satan. He's he hates you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, perhaps Satan. Uh, but two nights later, uh, he too woke up, Andrew, with a searing pain from three claw marks going around his side. It was believed the scratches were being caused by the dark entity that Heidi saw. Like that just, that just really, that reminds me of the infamous sightings case, the Heartland Ghost. Man, and you are actually, bursting at the seams to talk about sightings. I can tell. We need to talk about the Heartland Ghost. We'll talk. We will. We'll, I will get to sightings. I promise you. There, there's a and there's a YouTube channel, folks. Um, paranormal something. Um, paranormal mysteries. Maybe that's what it's called. There's a YouTube channel. If you just type in sightings, you just see the videos. I already, I already like the show. Just posting, this guy is posting like tons of episodes, full episodes on his on his, on YouTube. So. Yeah, I already like the show just based on the fact that I haven't got, ran into any legal trouble with sightings yet. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mention their name and I don't get slapped with anything. So I, no. they're already off to a better start with me. No, but that case deals a lot with an entity that's leaving claw marks and stuff. So and that's one of the first cases I remember seeing that, you know, introduced that to me. And I never really thought of that before with hauntings and and, you know, ghost stories. And when I first saw that on sightings, I was just like, that was just, it just made my blood curdle. I was just like, ugh. <laughs> this is really serious. Peggy? <laughs> All right. It, it was, uh, so Heidi is now a young woman because uh, she's grown up now and she no longer lives in the old family home. She reports that she has not seen Mr. Gordy for years, but however, she continues to see the mysterious dark figure as well as other numerous spirits. The sightings are also so frequent that she now takes them in stride. 
Oh, so you you oh, so you were able to find an up kind of an update on her? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I tried to like look her up on Facebook and I wasn't able to find her. <laughs> like I was thinking that I'd be able to like I've done that. You also had, they also had William Roll. Oh, the the famous William Roll, the go-to, the Unsolved Mysteries go. I was man, that guy was on every ghost segment and paranormal and psychic segment Unsolved Mysteries ever did. That was like their that was their bread and butter boy right there, William yeah. Roll. Like that he guy was also was, in the too. So it was like everybody's you know go-to guy. He mind but he reminded so- me of Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, kind of. Yeah. Sightings is more. They they went with William Wall at first, and then they went with uh, Peter James was the one that they. I think that's his name that they went with. Uh, psychic Peter James. Um, so William Roll he investigated the Weirich house at their request, and one of the first things he accomplished was to have Heidi identify Mr. Gordy's picture from a photo lineup. She was able to correctly identify him, and having spoken to Heidi and her parents, I'm even more convinced that what we are dealing with as genuine parapsychological experiences. And he then continues with this statement, is that then the question comes up, why are these things happening to this little girl? So this case is also featured on the show A Haunting on the Discovery Channel, and it was also the basis for the movie A Haunting in Georgia. The case is unsolved because it's unexplained, and no explanation has ever been made for Heidi's visions. But sadly, Andrew Ryrick, her father, passed away in 2012. Damn! Five years old. How old was he? 45. Yeah, I was going to say, that dude was a... That guy looked young in that segment. I wonder what he died from. That guy looked, like, really young in that segment. Like, I remember thinking that. I remember thinking, like, damn, like, how, how, like... I mean, you know, he looked like he was probably in his late 20s or early 30s in the segment, at least. Like, what the fuck? That sucks. Sucks for her. Yeah, it does. Jeez. So, yeah, that was, that was, a, I mean, I remember thinking that was a pretty good ghost segment. It made it onto the ghost DVD under the name Gordy's Ghost. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, when the ghosts actually started attacking and doing stuff like that, I thought it kind of ramped up the interesting level a little yeah. more. Because before that, you're just dealing with a little kid going, and the ghost is my friend, and <laughs> and that that stuff never really does anything for me because like the, the the sound of a little like kids' voices kind of it's like well, nails it, on a chalkboard. It gives you, it, it gives you flashbacks to uh, the storm and hell scene. Yes, it does. Yes. PTSD flashbacks. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go and check out the uh, previous episode where we uh, talk about uh, some of Unsolved Mysteries' worst segments, um, which we thankfully didn't get any hate from at all. I'm kind of surprised. Those, those episodes suck. Yeah, they, they everyone was on board with us, so that's good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like this segment. Um, I like when she starts talking about, or, or when the ghosts actually, the claw marks, and then they, they uh, bring w- William Roll in. It's kind of a shorter segment. I think it's interesting that they actually show her on camera guessing um, who Gordy yeah. was out of the photo lineup. Um, so there there is some authenticity to it. Um, this girl, yeah, I mean, she's got a gift. Some people, you know, it's like the they say that the, the sixth sense is to be able to see ghosts Some or people dead people. Some people like, oh, it's a gift, but other people probably think it'd be a curse. Yeah, um, but, you know, some people have that extra sensory perception, you know, to, to, to sense that, that, that kind of thing. It's like Constantine, because uh, in the movie Constantine, Keanu Reeves' character, he had that ability to see 
you know, spirits. Well, <laughs> tell me more. I can tell you it's a movie I haven't seen, and it's very unlike Ghost Boy, who's full of shit, whose mom was trying to get rich <laughs> off of writing a book. But, um, yeah, I think that's the podcast. We're coming in here on two hours, uh, just not even trying. Uh, just <laughs> dicking around, and boom, two hours of my life are gone. But forever on SoundCloud for your enjoyment, well, hopefully. Circleville Letters, there was a lot to that one. Like, that was a really long segment. That was, like, almost 30 minutes, if I remember correctly. It's a good that segment. That segment must have taken up like half the episode. I'm I'm just glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't mention the other topic that you were wanting to talk about before I talked you out of it, which was the circle jerk letters. Those, <laughs> those were a lot. That was a lot uh, less family friendly, Mike. And I think it's yeah. still think it's gross that, that you wanted that, to talk that, about that, that. That was one of the worst segments. That's for sure. Well, I mean, it depends on what your sexual persuasion was on whether it was the worst or the best. But, uh, yeah, the circle jerk letters. The sexy chocolate guy came up again in that segment. Yeah, and and, and he had some more of his hot, steamy nights. Gosh. Talking about the circle jerk letters. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that case. It's a creepy case, but, you know. All right. Well, I think that's the end of the podcast. Um, if anybody has any comments or anything, like as far as the new year and new me and new you and all that shit uh, or I'm anything, just the same me. New year, same old me. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> a- any anything you guys might want to see, anything you want to hear, anything. If you want us to have a, a, if you want me to cover a Katy Perry song for the outro. <laughs> Just anything you want, I'll do it. I hope. By the way, I hope everyone liked my uh, "Old Lang Syne" uh, cover for the last podcast. I don't know if you heard that or not, Mike. I kind of threw it in there. It'd probably be better than Mariah Carey's performance on New Year's. Oh, it was. It was much better. It's at go. It's at the very end of the last podcast. I do a cover, like a punk rock cover, and I I get kind of crazy in there with some of the stuff I say. But <laughs> that's me, Zany Josh. Whoa. Anyway, I'm I'm delusional at this point. For um, I probably need food and just to stop talking into a microphone. Um, chat. You can you can uh, like us on Facebook. Become a fans of the podcast. Facebook.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, our Patreon. Uh, you can you can become a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We do a bunch of stuff there as far as. You get the episode uh, a day or two earlier. You can ask us questions and give us segment uh, recommendations on there that you'd like for us to cover, and we're a lot more likely to do it on Patreon because you're giving us money. Uh, you can get your own shout-out slash personal story read on the air. And for the super awesome patrons, Patreons, whatever, uh, you get a bonus segment. So you can visit us there. And if you want more Mike and Josh separately but equally, you can check Mike out at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does a lot of movie reviews and other things. Um, I go for the movie reviews, uh, especially if it's a movie I've already seen. If it's a movie I haven't seen, I don't really watch it because why do I want to listen to a review (laughs) about a movie I haven't seen? Um, so with that being said, you can imagine there's only about five of Mike's videos I can actually watch. 
because um, of how little bit of movies I've actually seen. Uh, and if you want to go to my channel, that's um, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I recently just interviewed my friend George Stevens, who came back from Los Angeles. Um, this is more for the entertainers out there who are interested in the entertainment industry. Uh, he moved out to Los Angeles to pursue a career in music, and he actually came back. Wah, wah, wah. And I actually have a talk with him about what was it like living in Los Angeles? What, you know, what was everyday, your everyday life like there? How, what was the uh, expenses like? You know, why didn't you get done what you thought? Anyway, that, that whole interview's on there, and my German taste-testing food video. Those are my two newest things, so... For Mike and Josh, that is the Uncovering Explained Mysteries podcast. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Mike has a final. There you go.